Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the She vs. World podcast. It's your business bestie, just your normal bestie, Danielle here, and welcome to a major episode. This episode is so major for everyone listening that I redid the entire guest calendar so that I could put today's guest today. Sorry if you're listening to this on a, you have recorded an episode. I love you so much. I really, truly do. But here's the deal. I get questions almost every single day about trademark, copyright, and other intellectual property considerations for businesses. You guys get it now, right? I get asked almost every single day, should I trademark? When should I trademark? How do I copyright? Copyright infringement, they're stealing this. How do I protect that? And you know what? I don't always have the answers for you guys. I know, right? It pains me to say that. But what do I say? We stay in our lanes and we find experts. And so when I got to reconnect with my friend from literally way back from high school and college, Christy Westerfeld, and we realized that she does intellectual property, copyrights, and trademarks for businesses, especially for business coaches and for business and online business owners. I lost it. I begged her to come on, record an episode, and I got it up here as soon as I could for everybody because I think this is just a really valuable conversation. It's one that I get asked, like I said, daily. And so I want to provide all of you a resource from somebody who I know, I love, I admire, I respect. Christy is a mama of two, and she is also the owner of the Business Coach Legally, which provides legal templates for online business coaches and other online business owners who are looking to literally coach legally. Christy is a wealth of information as it relates to intellectual property in your business. So we talk about things like protecting your brand, what actually is protectable, how do you protect it, how do you file for things, what is copyright, what is trademark, what is copyright protection, and just the main points that you should be looking out for as a business owner. And then also because she didn't nearly plug herself as much as I'm gonna plug her, the next time you guys have a question and you're like, Dee, does this need to be trademarked? How do I trademark? What do I do? We now have a resident in-house expert with our girl, Christy here. So without further ado, Christy, thank you so much for joining this conversation. Thank you for being an incredible, incredible resource for us. I am so excited for all of you to get to know her, to love her, follow her on Instagram, and hopefully someday work with her so that she can make your business even better than it already is. Christy Westerfeld, welcome to the show. This episode of the She First World podcast is brought to you by Cure Hydration. By now, we all know that electrolytes are a key tool in our wellness toolbox, and that most of us aren't just dehydrated from not drinking enough water, but we're lacking the vital minerals of hydration that impact our brain, our cognitive function, muscles, athletic performance, skin, elasticity, sleep, all of that good stuff. So I was first introduced to Cure in 2019 by my friend Tara, and I have been an avid user since. I am legit hooked thanks to these single serving packets that are great for me after a long run or a super sweaty workout, but they're also just wonderful to have in my purse in summertime. If I'm running around, maybe when we're naturally more dehydrated, they are a fabulous tool after wine tasting or a night out, you know what I mean? And I have friends who simply enjoy cure every morning with their vitamins to ensure that they're hydrated throughout the day. I really like Cure because it's made from all natural ingredients like coconut water powder, pink Himalayan sea salt, and is free from artificial anything. Flavors, sweeteners, preservatives, colors. So it really is something that you can feel good about including in your wellness routine, and you can feel good about giving to your friends and family. 
If you're ready to combat hydration, try Cure Today and feel the difference. Use code SVW, Shaver's World, for 20% off your order. And of course, let me know how you like it. So Christy, I think you and I have maybe the most parallel, but also amazing backstory to this podcast. And I was trying to explain it to my husband, Pat, of how long we've known each other. Um, so I'm going to kind of walk through it, but like, please interrupt me. Okay. We Anytime. were at the local mall together after high school in Victoria's Secret, right? We did. We did. And I don't know which one of us thought the other person's name was Dawn, but we started calling each other Dawn. That was our hold name. It was who we were putting things on hold for. Oh my God. That's, that's what we did. not admit that. We should, no one from Victoria's Secret corporate listens. When we wanted the new items, but we couldn't buy them yet. We would put them on hold for Dawn. Dawn. There it is. That was our stuff that we wanted to buy. I feel like my whole life is just making sense now. And then we both ended up at UC Santa Barbara for college. We both ended up rushing sororities the same time, different, but still friendly. Mm-hmm. Ended up in law school at like graduated and ended up in both law school. Mm-hmm. And now here we are owning our own businesses, like absolute bosses, balancing motherhood, working in a very similar space. Both of us also technologically impaired. Does that sound like our, this is our we, history. <laughs> we are shockingly the same person in the best of ways. Like, I feel like I could talk to you for like multiple days nonstop and it would just be like, oh my God, this person just knows my life because we are living the same one. And it's, it's fabulous. And it was like, so amazing then when you had a client that needed something and then I have clients that needed something. And now it's like, we are literally living like conjoined lives almost. It's magical. It's the Dawn 2.0. Dawn 2.0. We've <laughs> advanced from our retail, from our retail life to our attorney life. And the Dawn of Dawns. It's the Dawn of the new era. Wow, we've come pretty far. Look really? at us. Look at us. Do you think at, at like what 18 years old, you would have ever thought that we would no. become lawyers? Become business owners? First, first of all, no. No. <laughs> be in a serious capacity. No, definitely no. Have children. Wow. Anyway. And be business owners. Look at That's us the most shocking part. I think it's just, it, it evolves, right? It evolves. We evolve. What made you decide to be a business owner? I've never asked you that. I, I like need the need. I, um, I was working in a corporate law firm and got pregnant. And I was generally feeling, you know, that I think many of us do as business owners of like the, the, like the feeling of like, is it, is this it? Like, is this all, is this like, I have checked the boxes, you know, like I've graduated college, I've graduated law school. I've, I've done the things I've landed my job. And like, I think maybe it's because you just, you get so wired to achieve, you know, and like, or, or whatever it is, right. You, you get to that point. And, um, the law firm I was working for was, was great. The people were so nice. I absolutely hated the field of law that I was in, but you make it work, right. There were definitely parts of it that I liked. And, um, and 
I just sort of, I just was feeling like, you know, maybe I can pivot within the firm to do a different area of law, um, which I was sort of in the process of doing at the time. But, um, but when I got pregnant, I, I realized that it wasn't a long-term fit. Um, I just didn't see myself, you know, continuing to work 12 hour days and, um, prioritizing that in over my family in a way, you know, that it just, it wasn't for me, you know, and, and absolutely no judgment to people that it is for, right. It just, for me, I thought, you know, I just, I want to be, I want to be able to choose my schedule. I want to be able to, you know, to be home when I want to be home. And, um, and kind of at the same time I was having those feelings, I really saw a need for, um, for legal education in the online space. This was like 2016. Um, I was actually a certified oh, health coach. It was the wild West back then. It was, I was actually a certified health coach. Um, and I was doing online coaching and, um, what I found was as I was networking as a coach, people were like, Oh my God, you're a lawyer. Like, can you help me with my fill in the blank? Right. And I was like, yeah, like I just did all my contracts. Like, absolutely. And I was doing it for free. Like, I was just like, yes, absolutely. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And finally this girl, bless her heart was like, I think you just found your next business. Like, I think you found your calling is th it's this, you know? Um, and I was kind of like light bulb, like, could I do this? Like, could I run a business helping teaching, you know, legal to online business owners? Um, so I made my website and did all this when I was like eight months pregnant, like, this is fine. I have no deadline coming up. Yeah, sure. uh, and, and drafted all my templates. I, I have template bundles for different types of coaches and, and, and we launched it and I launched a human. And then it was just this magical mess of like, let's start a business at the same time you have a baby and you know, what could go wrong. And it was just, it worked. I mean, the day it, it was definitely not without its challenges, but it, it was, it was a great time for personal growth, right? You're, you're becoming a mom, you're becoming a business owner. Um, and for me, it really allowed me to sort of find my voice, right. As a mom, as a business owner and, and fill this need that I found at the time for legal education in the online space. I think you really hit a great nail on the head there is that I think a lot of people became attracted to and kind of flocked to being an online business owner because it gave them that flexibility and it gave them the ability actually to provide for their families and to have a career and to, it's like, it is this amazingly wild and exciting time we live in because, you know, if you tell your parents, like I'm an online business owner, they're like, what the heck does that even mean? That wasn't a thing. It's now a thing that you can earn a salary on your iPhone. You can support your family on an iPhone, but you also need to do it as your business says legally, like your business is literally coached legally. And I think that that's so amazing because, you know, I actually was working with a business earlier this year and I, or last year, and I left it because the woman who was running it was doing things so unethically. And then she ended up getting massively sued by her whole mastermind and her contract was garbage and, and it didn't end well for anybody, yeah. you know? And I think that unfortunately you're, you're like, that's the story of my every day. Right. But unfortunately it's becoming more of a common story. The more that now everyone has anointed themselves as a coach. I think what you did was you really taken an opportunity to legitimize it for business owners, but to also give consumers that protection as well. Definitely. Definitely. I think just 
I mean, you know it as well, like in this space, there's, it's not just, it's absolutely protecting someone's business, right? As you're growing a coaching business and online business, there's such a big need for protecting that business as you grow and scale. Um, but it's also, you know, protecting the relationship between coach and client, right? A, a contract, as you know, like it, it protects both parties, right? And um, there, there's so many, legal protection does so much more than just protects the business, right? It protects the client. It protects the field. It allows you to build a brand. It allows you to develop your ideas into ways that people aren't going to steal or that allows you to become a recognizable brand, right? To build something new and it, and really allow all of these ideas that entrepreneurs have, it allows those ideas to come to fruition, right? It's, it's giving them a platform and a place so that you can build upon something that you, you know, an idea or a, a brand name or a product or something like that. You can actually give it a home and give it a space and a voice. I love how you said that because I always explain that like contracts are actually just a form of communication and they're an opportunity to have a serious discussion and get on the same page. Um, and you said something that I really loved about protecting your brand, because this is also your bread and butter is protecting your brand is, I think at the forefront of most people's minds and their, their fears, honestly, of being impersonated online, of people stealing content, of people taking their same brand name or logos. And you do so much work in the intellectual property side of business ownership, which I am so jazzed about for you to talk about. Um, so Christy, I guess how do let's like, let's get it breaking this down for your business owner. Like if I am owning my online business and I really want to protect myself, like kind of give me like head, shoulders, knees, and toes stuff to think about things to do. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different ways to think about this. Right. But I think first and foremost, you're building a, you're building a business. It's important to think about what is your brand, right? What are the potentially protectable elements of what you are building? A lot of times people come to me and they're like, oh, they've sort of stumbled upon something they would like to protect, right? It's a coaching method. It's a something they said in a book that they love. It's the, and, and unfortunately, trademark laws don't really allow for protection of things like methods or um, things like that, right? It, it has to be something that you're using as a, a source identification. So when we're looking at trademark, what it is, right? What trademark law really protects, right? Are, are things like business names, logos, taglines, course names, right? Ebook name, anything like that, a title or anything like that, that you're going to use as a source identification, a brand identification, right? We live in a world where we are trained to spot companies, right? The Starbucks logo, the McDonald's logo, taglines are everywhere. Um, we, we recognize, you know, branding colors, logos, course names. I mean, in the online business space, there's big players that have signature course names, right? So that's all intentional, right? When you're building your online business, think about your potential source identification. Think about your, your brand markers. Are there colors that you would like to use consistently in your branding, right? As you're posting on Instagram, as you're, you know, building a, a, a presence online, can you be consistent with colors? Do you have a logo that you're going to use, right? Do you have a name 
for your business. That's not descriptive, you know, something that's unique that you want to, um, you want to have as, as exclusively yours, you know, what do you want your community to know you by, right? Like I can think of like Marie Forleo has her B school, right? Like that's, that's the example I always use is it's just called business school, a B school, right? But she's built this brand awareness around it, right? So when you hear B school, you're like, oh, that's, if you're in this space, right? You, you kind of recognize that as being her program. She's done a great job at building that brand recognition. So we, as business owners can do that too. Go ahead. So my, I guess I have a, a question. So if I was like, you know, if I had an aesthetics brand or fitness brand and I have this name that has just become synonymous with me, is that what you're kind of talking about? So whether it, and, and that would have to be like my business name or like a business logo or not logo, but like a business slogan or mantra or something. Yeah. You have to, in order to obtain trademark protection over something, right. It has to be used as a trademark. And what we mean by that is it has to be used in a way that's creating that brand recognition. So it can't be one line in your course, right? It can't be um, a three-step method in your coaching, right? It has to be something that's more at the forefront, that it's the name of the program. It's the tagline for your entire business. It could also be a three-step module in the program, right? It, it can also be that, but it, it does need to be something that's more at the forefront so that when people are you know, becoming aware of your course or your program or your business, right? They keep seeing that tagline or they keep seeing the name and they, they start to create that source identification. They start to build that brand recognition and they, they can say, oh, that's, that's Danielle's course. That's Christie's slogan, whatever. So I think a lot of people think that, you know, we're going to LOL here. Um, the, when you start a business, the first thing you do is start an LLC. And the second thing you do is you trademark your name. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> hit me. Talk to me about why or why not I would go down those paths. Yes. Um, so I, it's kind of funny to, to like tell people no, right. Of like, no, you don't want to trademark this yet. Right. But, um, the times that you would is kind of what we were talking about, right. When you, when you've built something or you have an idea to build it, right. You can file as what's called an intent to use, right. Which it just means you don't have to prove that you're using it yet but you want to sort of hold your place in line of like, I'm going to use this soon. So like, I would like exclusivity over it now, right? You can reserve your space. But um, I do recommend trademarking when it's something that you really see longevity with because the trademark process is real slow. It takes them like eight months to even look at the application, right? And if at that point you've already moved on to, you've launched something else, you've done something different and you're like, oh, I, I'm not even using that name anymore, right? Like, that's not an investment that's well spent, that's not money well spent, right? So it has to be something that you see longevity with, something that is going to grow with your brand, the name, you know, your, your business name, your logo, your, your um, signature course that you, you know for sure you're going to continue launching more than once. Um, that's when the investment is worth it. Um, also, if it's something that you would be absolutely devastated if somebody did something similar, right? So something that is really central to your business um, and something that you see longevity with. I don't recommend it when it's something that is uh, something that you're, it's just starting, you're, you're just launching something new and you're not sure if you're going to launch it again. Maybe it, maybe it has traction, maybe not. It's a brand new name. You're still kind of trying it out, trying it on. Um, usually now there are exceptions, but usually that's when I say 
you know, let's see how it does. Let's see what we think now, you know, sometimes there's people that don't even want to launch something until it's protected. Right. And if that's the case, then we look at it kind of in a different way and say, okay, this is something you see longevity with, we can protect it. Um, but if it's something that you're sort of dabbling in, you're not super committed to, um, I would wait until that commitment level is there. Like it's a marriage, right? It's not, it's not, we don't trademark on the first date. It's when we're, we're seriously dating, <laughs> proposing to this business name, this course name, like whatever, like we're serious with this, um, with this name, because it is a long-term commitment, right? Like you, it, it's something that you have to see through. Um, so those are the times that I really recommend. The other quick thing that I want to mention is there are things that aren't protectable, right? Like a name that is descriptive. We run into that a lot in the online coaching space. Somebody wants to protect like the mindful coach. I just made that up. I don't know if there is actually that, but, um, (laughs) that's descriptive, right? It's descriptive of the services. So when you have a potential trademark that is descriptive of the services that you offer, right? The health coach, the mindful coach, the wellness coach, um, you won't be able to have exclusivity over that, right? The market needs that name. The, the, the general public in this field needs that terminology, right? There's no one person that can own the wellness coach because there's millions of wellness coaches, right? Nobody can take that name off the market. Um, so if, if what you have so far is descriptive, that's when I kind of encourage people like, is there something else we can add to it? Can you make it more unique? Can you dive deeper into what it is about wellness coaching that you're going to do? And then we look at creating something more unique there. So I'm so happy you brought this point up because there, you said a couple things that I, I would love for you to touch on and you're doing also, thank you such a great job explaining it in a way that like, I understand this because this is so complicated for me even. And so I feel like anyone listening to this is like, holy smokes, finally, we're getting a great explanation of this. But, you know, one of the things you said is that you can file for a trademark, but it's not going to be exclusive. And so what does that kind of mean? Like, do I have ownership over this name, but people still get to do it? Like, because what I see a lot, fitness and wellness there's only so many words, sweat, body, face, glam, aesthetics, right? Like everyone's kind of using the same words here. So is it worth, or I guess I should say, if I were to pursue a trademark, kind of knowing that I wouldn't have exclusivity, what do I get then? And like, what's the point? So like, you mean, if it is descriptive? Yes. So you can still, yeah. If your mark is descriptive, you can still file, right? And this sort of goes a little bit into more legal stuff, but If it's found to be descriptive, you can amend your application to put the mark on what's called the supplemental register. So the marks that are approved go on what's called the principal register, right? That's the gold standard, that's exclusivity, they get all of the benefits. The supplemental register is like the little sister, like we still get a lot of things from it. But it's it's a lot harder to really, really have exclusivity, right? Because by its nature, we've admitted it's descript- it's a descriptive term. So what we do on the supplemental is the marks that are there, I always have my clients build notoriety around the name. So what they allow you to do on the supplemental is be there for a number of years. It's usually five. And then you may reapply to the principal with the evidence of notoriety number of followers, media attention, money spent on advertising, revenue, like proving that people associate this descriptive term 
with your business, right? And that it should be taken off the market and allowed to be exclusive to you because of the notoriety that's achieved. So you do get a benefit about being on the supplemental register, right? Like you 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 get a place in line. You can use the little R with a circle around it. There are, it, it's a decent exclusivity. Like you have a registration number. You can tell people, you know, this is my registered trademark. Um, it's just a little trickier to really push the exclusivity because it, because it is descriptive, right? So you get a number of rights. Um, I usually recommend people do that over nothing if it's something they really want to protect. Um, but it, it's not quite as much as the, the principal register. Amazing. So then here's the second part of my question. Let's say I have a name that, like you said, maybe it's descriptive or maybe just it's just a common name in the industry, but I want to own it. And I want to file a trademark for it, but there's so many other businesses out there that already have the same name. Right. And I think this is a very common occurrence. What would you recommend? And kind of, you know, don't do this, it. this is like the last like trademark question I have. Don't do it. Okay. Done. Moving on. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Period. End of no, sentence. I would. So, so that's kind of what I'm, what I'm coming across a lot with clients is they're like, I really want to trademark my business name or alternatively I've been in business for five years but I just saw that somebody started a business and they opened up their own shop and they have the same name as I do. I want to trademark it. Should I trademark? And also what do I do about this other person on the other side of the country with five clients that has the same name as me? Yes. Okay. So there's so many things to unpack here. Um, I'm getting excited. Okay. I can so, choose, like, she's literally rolling up her sleeves here <laughs> and like, she just sat up taller. Like she's, she's we're, this is it. Now we're in it. We're yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> So the other huge piece to the trademark law stuff, right, is that there is this nice little term called common law rights because, and stick with me here, that I swear the legal stuff is short, common law rights. This is important. We, we need this. The U.S. is a first to use system, not a first to file system. So we care a lot about data first use. If you were the first, like, let's say you and I had the same business name, right? I've been in business for five years. You've been in business for three years. Same, same business person. name. So obviously. It tracks. I'm actually so, going to start my coaching legally uh, business. You started now, trademark. <laughs> Launch is coming. Uh, 2024. Um, okay. But let's say you filed the trademark first, right? Okay. And now I'm devastated because you filed the trademark for coach legally. I've been in business longer. I'm horrified and crying and it's a mess, Right it's actually still mine because the mm. trademark system is a first to use. So I would be the, the first user, right? I was the primary user. I used it first. I screwed up a little bit by not being the first to file, right? I did not protect my rights. Okay. Don't be that person. You now uh, listening to this, everyone listening now knows better, right? But I was the first user. So it's a little bit of a, of a drama battle because you were the first to file, but I would have the right to file with the USPTO to have your mark canceled if I can prove that I was the first user, right? So it, it's like, it's a huge headache <laughs> to have to file those documents to object to somebody's mark and cancel. And like, that's why it's just better to be the first user and the first to file, right? But if you, if you use the mark first, you will have priority over someone who 
used it second, even if they filed the trademark first. Now, the common law rights, the rights that you have without a registered trademark are not the best, right? Obviously, the best is the USPTO. You have nationwide rights. It's this nice little neat package, right? The common law rights are messy. It's like, it would be like going a coaching, a coaching relationship with no contract, right? We've got like the verbal bits, we've got the emails, we've got this and that, like, it's not a nice clean package that we all want to have, especially you and I, but you can look at when, when can we prove data first use? Then we look at the geographical location of the sales, right? Online business that gets even hairier, right? We can look at where are people that are buying my coaching packages. Those are the spots that you will have priority with your common law rights, right? So it's it's not nothing. You still have priority over this, this name as the first user and you can shut other people down in ways, right? But it's real messy. It gets expensive legally. Um, and it's just... It, it, it's not a perfect system. So it you do have rights by being the first to use, not the first to file, right? Um, but it's better to have both. It's better to be the first to use and you have a registered trademark. Then it's a nice little neat package. Um, if you are the first user of a name and someone else opens a shop after you, right? That's when we send the cease and desist and we say, you know, we've been using this mark since XYZ date, you know, you need to stop using the name because it's infringing on our rights. Um, as, as you know, a cease and desist is, is much better when we have a trademark registration number, right? We can say, this is the registered trademark filed on this date, date of first use is here. Like it, it's a stronger punch. Um, a common law cease and desist is like, we've been using it since this date, consistently, we probably have the right, you know, it's just not quite as clear and strong. Um, but, but you do still have priority over anyone that tries to use it after you, even if they file a trademark. Mm. It's so funny that you said that this is just my little nerdy story. And then we're going to move on from trademarks because I love a nerdy you story. You are such a wealth of information. I want to get everything I can out of you, Sweet. but I sent a cease and desist letter for a common law trademark. And the person literally wrote back, like send me the registration number or go F off. And I was like, dang, <laughs> because like, you don't have to F off, but it, it, right. it, it is, it is so much cleaner. Right. Registration it, it, number. But, but they also were within their kind of right to say that. Cause I was like, you're right. We, we don't really have much of a leg to stand on here. So, so yeah. And, and that's also like a funny story, kids that like cease and desist letters don't fix everything slash anything. <laughs> and we've anyway. talked about this before. It's not a perfect solution, right? It can work. It can work great, but it's not, uh, it's not like a legal, it's not a complaint file, not initiating a lawsuit. It's just yeah. like a sternly worded, please stop. Yeah. And as moms, we know how well that goes. Please stop. Nobody listens to us. Nobody listens to us. Anyways. <laughs> okay. So, so Christy, like the other big thing that's, that's coming up a lot for business owners is they're creating what we would consider to be copyrightable material. They're putting out manuals. They are sharing PDFs in their courses. They are, uh, you know, sharing, just sharing information that they've created. And then another thing that they're doing is they're sharing information on social media. And how would you, as a 
business owner who is also a creator, because that's all the hats we have to wear now. How do you protect yourself? And like, what are kind of some of the things that you're like seeing out there? And what are you telling your clients? Mm-hmm. So lots here as well. Um, I know you said social media, but before you were talking about the PDFs inside yeah. of programs, right? Let's do that first. So when it is content inside of paid containers, right? One-to-one coaching groups, online course, when it's materials inside of a, a container, right? That's where we rely on the contract for that course or program, right? Mm-hmm. So again, Danielle and I are going to harp on the importance of contracts and terms of use for our online courses, right? Like we are not joking. <laughs> These documents are, are crucial. Um, so that those documents are where you protect your content inside of paid containers, right? That's where the client is going to agree. I'm not going to repurpose this. I'm not going to resell it. I'm not going to share it. I'm not going to, you know, I respect that this is your work and that I only have access to it personally because I'm inside this paid container, right? They don't have a commercial license to use it. They can use it, the personal use only, right? Um, inside paid containers. That's obviously easier, right? The stuff that you're putting out onto social media um, is a challenge, right? That it's harder because I've seen it so many times and these and so many well-meaning people, right? They put their heart and soul into some content and somebody's like just rips it all, like word for word a sales page. I had one where this girl did not even change the other girl's name in the sales page. Like it literally still said her name. And I was like, <laughs> a cease and desist work for that. Because I was like, it says the other girl's name. Like you didn't even read it to like change the name. Like, come on. Um, I die. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's so prevalent, right? People are just, everyone is wanting to be a coach and not everybody has the depth that other people have in terms of, what they want to offer in their coaching package, right? So they see another coach putting this beautiful sales page together, this beautiful content on social media. And they're like, oh, I do the same thing. Like, let me just use this, right? No, if you're listening to this, right? You will not be the one that steals it. Um, But what can you do as far as protection, right? Um, Number one, you can put a copyright notice on your website. It's just the notice that goes in the footer. It lets people know that you own the content as of the date you created it not the current date. Don't put the current date in your copyright notice. It's the date you created it. It's a huge myth. Every January, I see people like, don't forget to update your copyright notice. And I'm like, no, don't update it. That tells people you created it this year. Like it's the, anyway. Um, <laughs> so the I get so fired up about that topic because I like, I'm not even like in a Facebook group, a non-lawyer was like, don't forget to update your copyright notice. There's like 50 comments on it. Like, oh, thank you. Doing it now, doing it now. And I'm like, um, all of you need an attorney. This is what I specialize in. And here's my number. I like posted. I was like, never, never do that. Um, but anyway, a copyright notice, putting the year that you created the material on the bottom, right. That will help protect your website. Um, and on social media, it's, I mean, you can have the documents, right. That, that let them know, you know, this is my original work. Um, but I do find that the cease and desists work a lot of the time with stolen content online because nine times out of 10, unless it's somebody who this did happen to me once, it was a team member that stole it. So the, the coach was a more high profile coach and she didn't know, she claimed she didn't know that the team member took it from somebody else. Right. Um, that can happen, but usually the person absolutely knows they took it. Right. And if they get caught, 
they, they want to be done with it, right? There, it's like you you're caught shoplifting, right? Like you're standing there holding the item, like, uh, and you just want to get rid of it. So I do find that more often than not, the cease and desist letters work for stolen content because the person knows they're guilty, right? And if you if you show them, I always include on the cease and desist a screenshot of their content, a screenshot of my client's content, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like you have, it's word for word the same. You can see the timestamp on my clients. You can see the later timestamp on yours. Please remove immediately. Thank you. And it, it usually works because they're like, I was caught, you know? I have a couple questions that are like really real world examples. So um, they might be a little rapid fire, but Instagram and Facebook are really interesting platforms because if you read the terms of terms and conditions, we actually don't own anything as soon as we post it. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when we post things on on Instagram this morning, Instagram now technically owns my content and owns the post. So do I even like legally have a standing to now go after somebody for copying it? I mean, I mean, like this is kind of like a nuanced discussion that you and I can no, I love it. it. I mean, it's a great question, right? Like nobody reads the terms except for us. So no one is going to know <laughs> right. that that. Um, so I think when we're thinking in that respect, what's going to work is telling them they stole the content, right? Um, From a practical perspective, I think that works. Um, From a legal perspective, it's a great point, right? You post the content on Instagram, you now don't own it, right? Somebody else steals it. Is it now up to Instagram to say, you know, you've stolen our content or like how, how does that go? You know, in the sense that once you post it, you don't own it. Um, it is strange. And I think a lot of times you post the same content in multiple places, right? So maybe you've sent out an email blast with the same thing. Yeah. Um, you've posted it on Instagram. You've posted it in, you know, three or four different places. Um, you didn't give up ownership of the content in all of those places, right? So um, you still own the content in in the other non, you know, those other platforms that you've posted on that don't have those terms. So um, it's a great point. I don't know that it like, I don't know that I would necessarily it like preclude you let that prevent it. me from yeah. doing something about yeah. it. Um, but you're totally right. You know, that it is, it would be an interesting pushback, right? Like if somebody responded to a C and D and was like, Actually, I also got that pushback. That's why I'm asking. Did I'm you? Like, I get no. some, the replies people send back. I'm like, you have some balls there, my friend. No, um, I know people do. Okay. Okay, here's here's another opposite. This is really just me getting legal advice now. Here's another opposition I've gotten. It. Mimicking. So I post reels and I'm lazy. So I just hold the camera up to my face and I talk. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody were to, what's that? I, they're great. I love your posts. Oh, oh well, thank you. Thank you. But if somebody were to just write down what I said, read the captions and redo it themselves, right? Effectively just doing exactly what I did. I don't know if you call it mimicking, mime, whatever we want to call it. Do I have protection in that? Because it's still like my thought. It could be, right? Ideas are not protectable. The expression mm. of the idea is protectable. So your real is the expression, right? Okay. Um, people can have the same ideas. That's why there's a million things about the same topic, right? Right. Um, but what is protectable is the expression of the idea. So the, the words that you said in the real. It's a very interesting point about the protectability or the, you know, your ability to go after someone who, who did the same thing, right? Because the standard for copyright infringement is substantial similarity. So is their real substantially similar to yours? 
such a gray area. It's so subjective. Judges in copyright infringement claims all see it differently, right? It's just like, are they substantially similar? If it was word for word, I would say slam dunk. Yes. Right. Um, if it's the same idea, but they, you know, they use different words, they say it in a different way. They're a different person. Like, is that enough that it qualifies? Uh, it gives it enough originality. The other, the other point here, and this is maybe going too far, but there is a defense to copyright infringement of parody, right? Is somebody doing, not like making fun of you necessarily, but like, is it a parody of your reel, right? Is it, we, that the internet is filled with that, right? Um, is it, you know, could they, could they say that it was satire, that it was a parody, that it was something like that, right? Cause that can be a defense to copyright infringement. They're putting their own spin on it. And as such, it qualifies as original work or it, it doesn't qualify for copyright infringement, right? Um, so it's very interesting. In that respect, I would simplify my answer, like giving you the full long legal answer. I would simplify the answer to just, first of all, it depends, right? Um, it always does. But secondly, like, is it substantially similar? Like, would would somebody see the two reels and be like, wow, that chick completely copied Danielle. It is the same word for word. Or would they be like, oh, this is two of the sim of similar topics. Maybe it was a template, you know, a templated reel or something that's trending or whatever. And it's just a similar version, but still has its own originality. So that's what, that's what I would look at from a practical perspective. Um, is, is it really, is it really substantially similar and is it doing any damage, right? Like, are you losing clients mm. because of this reel, right? Like if it was me making the same exact reel, like maybe, right. Like, but like, I, but is there any damage? Right. Um, and more often than not copyright infringement, I mean, this is like, I'm not going to talk about this, but there can be a strict liability thing with like damages wise with copyright infringement, but we're not going to go there. Um, but you know, you, you would look at the damages, what, what harm has it caused? Right. Um, and oftentimes in the world of social media, maybe the answer is not much, right. Other than you're kind of pissed about it. Um, did you lose clients? Did you lose followers? Is there some sort of measurable ailment, um, from the, from the, potential copying, maybe, right? A lot of times people say, yeah, like, especially in the, in the example of copying sales pages, when someone's selling a course, right? I would say absolutely. Um, but depends on the real, right? Are you selling from the real? Is it just content? You know, anyway, it, it, it's a whole thing, but, um, but I would really look at this substantial similarity piece. I feel like you just gave us so much to think about. And also, um, I, I feel like some people have some, expectation management to work on because, you know, like it, social media is a wild place, but, um, Christy, I know you're really important and busy and you have kiddos waiting for you, but before we go, can you give everyone just a 10,000 foot overview of the different ways they can work with you, how they can get in touch with you? You are already going to be the person I'm starting to funnel all of you for your trademark and copyright issues. So oh, thank you. So can help we help everyone? Can we just get a quick, this is how we can work with you, um, how to get in touch and we'll link everything in the show notes. Yeah. So my law firm is called Westerfeld Law. Um, and that's where I do trademark, copyright, general counsel services in California. Um, the trademark 
sort of process that we walk clients through is very simple. It's a three-step process that makes it easy to understand. You feel very, you know, aware of what's happening throughout the process um, and makes it, I think, a, a more, um, more doable and understandable experience. Um, the other way that people can work with me is through Coach Legally, which is my legal education and resource business. Um, I have template bundles that are um, prepackaged legal template bundles for different niches of coaching. So there's health coaching, there's uh, anybody that's a licensed professional who wants to coach. That's kind of a big thing. Um, there's a bundle for that functional nutritionists. Um, there's a bundle for that, you know, regular coaches, non-health and wellness coaches. Um, but we really dive into sort of the specific um, specialties in the health and wellness space. Um, and we have hundreds of legal templates um, that are meant to serve a wide variety of online coaches in that respect. Um, so if you're looking for trademark or copyright, westerfeldlaw.com. If you're looking for templates and legal education, coachlegally.com. Um, lastly, you can follow me on Instagram at Christy Westerfeld. Um, I try to post useful content about online business and also pictures of my kids and real mom life because let's not forget. And like really, really useful content where sometimes I read what you post and I'm like, oh shoot, that's right. I'm getting it. Like I need this like clarity for myself. And it's so, I feel the same way about what you post. I always want to share yours. I'm like, she knows right? what she's it's, talking about. <laughs> but it's like, I think if you are an online business owner, and especially if you're trying to figure out how you want to work with clients in that capacity, it's such a great resource because Christy breaks it down into just like a step-by-step -step digestible. Like this is what you need. Like none of the fluff, none of the nonsense. Cause we don't have time for that. And so it's going to be such a great resource for you guys. And then also all of your trademark and copyright needs, like, Oh, the universe provided with you. I love you. Love you so much. I, I love, I love the synergy. Like I love that we get to work together, not at Victoria's secret. Um, and it just, it's just, we're back. I love we're it. Back. None of the, none of the bras, but all the benefits. Um, so much. Thank, thank you so much for doing this. This was of course. such a great, we're, we're done. I'm going to cut the audio. Okay. Um, I'm so appreciative of your time and your expertise. Oh my God, likewise. Yeah. I just really, I like really, 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 really appreciate your expertise. Cause I feel like trademark is a really hard one. And even though it should be compensated really, really well. People are coming back to me and saying that like, oh, I went and talked to an attorney and it was, it was like $5,000 just to even talk to them or like $10,000 to start. Mine's a lot cheaper. You can yeah. talk to me for free. Yeah, um, no, but like, but still like, I just, I know you're going to be accessible for people and like, you should obviously charge your worth and I know you will, but it's like, you're not going to just like take advantage of people. I feel like that's um, a lot, you know? Yeah, no, I really try. And that's why I do the three-step program like process because you only pay for what we're doing. Like I don't do the, like it's $3,000 up front. I do the, like you pay for the research. Right. And then if we determine there's a high likelihood of success, then you pay the legal fee for the application. And then you pay the application fee. Like we do it one at a time so that no one is ever paying anything like that. They're not going to use. Right. It's just to pay as you go type of thing so that, you know, it feels manageable and understandable. Yeah. I really appreciate that about you amongst everything else. Likewise. This was so fun. So much fun. Um, I know you have an 1130. I do too. I'm going to let you go and exhale and pee all that stuff.
you know. All right. Well, let's seriously stay in touch. Um, can't wait to talk again. Have a great weekend. Have a great Mother's Day. You too. Um, get those bagels or whatever you're doing. Get your burrito, girl. Get it. Oh, I'm gonna get it. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.